We begin our third and final session on Tehillim Pei Gimel. We've learned great things so far. I've enjoyed so much digging into it. it. Makes you want to learn more and more Tehillim. We have to get back to Shimon Esri also. And Psukim Aleph to test, let's just do a quick review, is our asking Hashem not to be quiet, to act as He's done in the past, in the face of our multiple enemies who are planning and plotting and covenanting against us. And we delineate all of those different Enemies, as we said, there's ten. They're the heads of the enemies, Esav and Yishmol. They're the those who just come along, come usher nilva imam, and then there's the bulk in the middle. And Yud until Yud Ches is us praying with rhetorical references for what should happen to them, and their surprising and shocking reaction, as we'll learn about right now. Let's begin and jump in at Pasuk Yud. So these are the historical references. Hashem, as we said in Al Damilach, you've been with us and you've been successful before. Of course, help us be successful again. Kemidian was Aide Gidon, was the warrior. Kisisra, Aide Barak, that's where Shiraz Dvorah was. Those are for different historical references. It's interesting to know what's unique about Nachal Kishon, why we would specifically refer to that. Nishbedu Be'en Dor. They were destroyed at a place called Ein Dor. Again, uh, you see the idea of getting to a specific place. Ha'idomen la'dama. They became dung. Domen is dung. The art scroll translates la'dama to the earth. Shisemo nidivemo. Place, like Lashon of Sheis. Sheis li zera'acher. Sheis means the place. Make, place. Nidivemo mi Lashon nadiv. They're nobles. All of their princes. Those are specific princes of the nations that have been destroyed in these earlier battles that we're referencing. Oriv and Zev. Zevach Tzalmuna. Obviously there's some deep uh, meaning in each one of those. These were Midianite rulers defeated by Gidon. So... I don't know why we specifically refer to Oreb, Zev, Zevach, Salmuna. Could be one has to go to a Kabbalistic level to understand they were real people, but the reference to them exactly, who knows? But I'm sure there's a lot of depth there next time around. But why are we speaking, referring, why do we mention the idea that Hashem had in the past toppled their nobles, their heads, Nidivemo, their nobles, their, their high. Lieutenants and generals. So I was thinking like this on a simple shot level. One is they're more responsible. The Stam Nazi soldier is for sure responsible. And he deserves whatever he's getting. And I shudder to think about what he's getting. But the heads of the operation, of course, deserve such a stronger punishment. The planners are much, much worse than the machine. So the Nidivemo, they were the ones, right? Unfortunately, right today as we speak, you know, those who most deserve the punishment for what Hamas did to us are sitting in Qatar, they're sitting in Lebanon, Qatar, the great home of the World Cup, a friendly country, and then Lebanon and other places. It's the heads which have to go down, the head of the snake, hopefully afterwards. So they're responsible. So one is we we refer to their destruction because of their responsibility, and two, 
is on a practical level, by them going down, it makes the enemy so much weaker, right? The heads of state, as the heads go, the whole state goes. That's how I understood that. And what do they say, those earlier nations that we faced? Asher Omru, near Shalonus Na'o Selohim, we will conquer the Reshidota for ourselves, Na'ot, Na'im, the pleasant places of Elohim. Elohai, my God, Shisemo, make them kagalgal, like the whirling chaff. Kikash lefnei ruach. Kash is when you cut down wheat, the little part which is left, it's called kash, I believe. Like stubble, lefnei ruach, right? Spread them out. Spread them out. Let them be scattered. Okay, so now, again, that Pasuk Yud and Yud Aleph and Yud Beis and Yud Gimel were the reference to the earlier nations, the earlier battles. And now we get to our, make our current enemies like those enemies. And now we are referring again to the current enemies that Asa was talking about. We can have in mind whatever we have in mind. Elokai, my God, Shisema placed them like whirling chaff, like stubble of Neruach. Let them be spread out like nothing. Imagine how much chaff and stubble spreads out in a wind. To every, every corner, no organization, no armies together, no, no strength in numbers, whirling in the wind. Ke'esh tivar ya'ar. As a fire tivar is lashon of be'ira. Bior chametz. Ke'esh tivar ya'ar. A ya'ar, of course, is a forest. Like a fire burns up the forest. Ke'lahava, a flame. The lahava is the flame. Ke'lahate sets ablaze. Harem mountains set a fire on, set a mountain on fire. You have to be really hot. Cain, so too, let's, we're going to pay close attention now to Pasuk Tesvav and Tesayin, so too, tir defame, Yelashen Redifa, Rodev Shalom, tir defame, pursue them, Sarecha, with your, with your storm, Besufascha, and not the language of storm. Some of Farshim say one of them is referring to like a tornado, right? So you could say, not an not a, not a exact translation, but certainly a looser translation, like a hurricane, like a tornado, Tvalim, terrify them, right? So I noticed. A very interesting thing. We don't say to put them on fire. Whatever that reference would mean exactly. We say, as fire, so too should their hurricane and tornado be. Let's notice that again. Please note the language with me. As ish and as lahava, as the fire consumes and as the flame sets ablaze, so too should you pursue them, besarecha. So, what does that look like? We're not, we're saying they should meet God's fury in the hurricane and hurricane and, and tornado form. Again, now we don't necessarily per se mean that itself is a metaphor. We don't mean God sent hurricanes and um, tornadoes on them. That's not the idea. The idea of God's wrath unleashed has a similarity to a hurricane and has a similarity to a tornado, and we're we're saying that that tornado and that hurricane should be like a fire. So, what is what are we adding by saying that? So I spoke this over with the Chavramai and Rukidon Schneider and the Mashkiach Yeshiva. So he said a beautiful insight. What does each thing have? The hurricane and the tornado has a, an amazing koach, like we said, kakash lefnei ruach to spread everything out. Right? There was a hurricane. 
you found something you know, 25 miles, 30 miles, 100 miles uh, in the other direction. You found a tornado, everything was all over the place, right? They spread things out, they spread things out. But they don't necessarily totally destroy. Fire is more limited to the fuel that it's given, right? The way you destroy fire is by not giving it any oxygen. Why did the fire stop? Well, there's no more forest to burn. So the fire is limited to where it can burn. The hurricane is unlimited to where it reaches. The tornado goes everywhere, but it's, it is limited in its destruction. So we're asking the fury of the hurricane and the fury of the tornado should have a fire-like element of total destruction for them. Incredible. Now we get to what I said was the shocking end. So we're talking about a tremendous destruction for these enemies. Anybody who knows what happened to Berlin coming from recent history, what Berlin was like at the end of the uh, 1945, uh, Japan, but Berlin specifically I know a little bit more about, I think it was more widespread because there wasn't actually battles on Japan. Japan basically succumbed after all the bombings and, of course, the big bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But, but Germany was in ruins. Dresden, Dusseldorf, of course, Berlin, you know, what the Russian army did to the, the Germans. Right? This is the famous Sarech of Suvaschatvalim. So there's for sure a lot of destruction. That's where, right, the, and we were saying they should be like the, those who were dung to the earth, etc., but then we see at the end, Malefanem Kalon, fill their faces with shame. And then they will seek your name. Where'd that come from? So there is, so what I see, just again, just trying to take the push-up shot, the basic shot, and blow it up for everybody and, and share what, what I believe is the truth according to the shot. Part of these nations will be destroyed, but part will then turn to the Bonashom. Showing a certain sense of goodness in them, they'll see the they'll see some people through tragedy get further away from Hashem. Some people through the tragedy can get close to Hashem, and it seems that these nations there is a point where they will again. That's we're talking on the tefillah level, right? So we don't know that Kayim, but I'm assuming that if Asaf was praying for such, and if David codified it in his tilim, it means that it was a not what we call a tefillah shav, it's a tefillah which could be. So the potential that Asaf is touching is that yes. Many of them will be destroyed, but then there will be this, they'll be full with shame. <laughs> we recognize we were invoking God's name to try to hurt Jews. The Rosh Hashem was on Kaleisar's side. We were working against Hashem, those that are working in this way against Hashem, and all the all the ten different variations we had of the Asav way against Kaleisar and Hashem, the Shmuel way, the Gam Asher Nilvayimam. So there's going to be this international kind of recognition and they'll be full faced with shame, and then they will turn to God. Then what happens next? They will be shamed and terrified forever. They'll be disgraced, and they'll be doomed. So it doesn't sound good for them. But the Malbim adds an incredibly important idea. The Malbim says, what's their busha, and what's their bahala? What's their terrifiedness? And what's their shameness? They will not be further, 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 uh, they will not be further accepted in Shuvah. They went too far. 
they will, there will be, incredible, a international tshuva, a bikush of Hashem, bakash bikshu fonai, something, idea that we look for in our lives. Let's be mavakish Hashem. But sometimes you go too far. And these nations that were standing, the, 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 the tefillah for them, these nations that were standing in this period, these ten nations that were standing against Hashem, and those who stand, you go too far and there's no chance anymore. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible, shocking end to the story. And that's their embarrassment. Now with that in mind, let's see the very last Pasuk. Ve'yedu ki'atah shimcha Hashem levadecha. And they will know that you, whose name is God, are alone. El Yonah Kol who is most high on all of the land. Now, it doesn't sound in Pshuto Shomikra that that Yedia is from their destruction. The destruction that they suffered got them to the point of Malay Paneim Kalon, Yivakshu Shimcha Hashem, and that Betzar Lehem, then they turn to the Rav Hashem, and the next pasuk they're rejected, and then they will know. So, what knowledge is that? And what I see is that the Yidiyas Hashem, that God is alone, and that God is Most High on the whole arts, that seems to be coming as a direct result of what we see in Yudches, of their shame and being terrified which means, according to the Malbim, that their tshuva has been rejected. That their turning to Hashem is not accepted. So here, I think, is a tremendous lesson. The Bali Musar say that we don't appreciate what tshuva is because we don't appreciate what chayt is. Imagine someone who killed someone else. He goes to his family and says, you know, I'm so sorry. He goes with tears and he says, I'm so sorry. We can totally understand the family saying, we don't care about your sorry. You can't bring back our, our, dead, fa- our dead family member. What's your sorry? It's done. The Chiddush of Tshuva is that you can undo. Nasen Schuyos, Nasen Shkogos, Tshuva Tshuva It's an incredible Chiddush that you can somehow... Get rid of the chayd. It's a chesed Hashem shenku dugmaso. We should dance on Yom Kippur. And in fact, some learn the dancing of Sukkot is the dancing of Yom Kippur, the simcha of the ritzui, of being pleased, that, yes, I get the chance again. Incredible. And every year it happens, and I get another chance? Why? We don't appreciate that because we think it's all good. And I want to say something else, which is, I think, very relevant to understand that. We live in a world today where we do see a beautiful turning to the Rav Hashem, hargoshes for the Rav Hashem, hargoshes for Yiddishkeit. But I think, and I speak from one who suffers in this. Not as not, I don't speak down. I speak together with. But we suffer from the idea that 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 the Rav Hashem means business also. We like the idea of Hashem being our Yidin Nefesh, our Avrachaman. There's no Yeish, no matter what happens, Hashem loves you. Those ideas speak to us as they true, and they're true ideas. But the Rav Hashem punishes also. And Midas Adin is a real factor in the world. It's how it is. The Rav Hashem didn't ask me advice of whether he should get rid of it or not. And he doesn't ask any of us. It's there. 
And God means business. And in a certain way, when God does something that means business, we get a different appreciation from Him. And we understand, I don't make the rules of this game. We think we run this machine, we, we think to run the show. I give the marshal, sometimes there are people who have a certain charm, uh, a certain uh, confidence, and they feel they can get out of every situation. You know, they stole their father's car, okay, they'll smile their way out of it, they, they got in trouble with their boss, they'll joke around, but sometimes those people end up in court and you know, it doesn't work anymore. You ran into a power that's bigger than you. And when you think, as we say in Hebrew, you're in control, you don't realize that there's stronger kohot. So these goyim, after all that they perpetrated against the, the Jewish people and schemed against them and went against them, these ten nations, and they think and then suffer a terrible suffering, then they turn to the Bonashom. And then Hashem says, no. After that, Hashem says, no. Ah, he's a bigger koach. It's beautiful. That's the idea of the last passage. That's the end of this kapitel. That's the end of this mizmor. Now we recognize Hashem, you're above everything. Elion, you're, you're most high. We can't, you're on a different plane than us. It, it, the normal rules are, aren't applicable. You give tshuva sometimes, but to these nations it doesn't give tshuva, and then they come to this consideration. And this, of course, is a tremendous lesson to us that we have to know that tshuva is such a chesed, and we have to know there is such a thing as midas adin. It shouldn't chasushon be bogeing klal at all. We show his daven, rachamim, megulim. But we have to know, Kadosh Baruch Hu is avinu. Kadosh Baruch Hu is he a did nefesh. His he is reichav reichavicha. He's also a shofet. He's also a melech. He's also elyon on kol arts. And just like those, and Hashem is always looking for our tshuva, and He's always looking for us to turn to Him. But we have to keep pushing and, and, and hold these two things in our hand, the Avis Hashem together with the Yeris Hashem, and Yeris Romus means, sometimes I think I think we do need a little bit of Yeris Onish, we always say Yeris Onish is like a low level, Yeris Romus, that's for the big people, Ava, yeah, but there's Yeris Onish also, there's, the real fact is, none of us should know about it, and it's been a great, it's and pleasure to to share some of these insights on, on Dylan Pei Gimel, I'm very grateful to the insights that, uh, that I had, uh, especially grateful to the insights that I could share, and thank you very much.